And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here. As we said, I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we are going to have so much fun today and learn so much because we are going to be speaking with Jason Falls. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Deb. Glad to be here. Great. Well, before we get started, let me tell folks a little bit about you. Jason Falls is one of the leading thinkers, authors, and speakers in the digital marketing space. He is the author of two books, No BS Social Media and The Rebel's Guide to Email Marketing, which is going to give us a pretty good idea what Jason is going to be like. And he currently spends time as Vice President of Digital Strategy at Cafe Press, one of the world's leading online retailers. He's also the founder of the popular industry blog, Social Media Explorer. Had a great post today that we're going to talk about. Jason is a public relations professional by trade, having spent 15 years as a sports publicist and radio broadcaster, and is from a small town in eastern Kentucky and proudly says that he is a hillbilly. So again, Jason, welcome. Thanks, Deb. It's good to, good to be here. I love what you do and uh, certainly hope I, I can uh, help out a little bit today. Great, great. Well, I met Jason when I attended the second annual Y'all Connect Conference over in Birmingham. Um, and I'm learning, I, you know, I'm from Colorado, but I can say y'all with the best of them now. And loved Jason's presentation because, you know, he really doesn't hold anything back. Um, you know, he really tells people what we need to hear. And that's one of the things that I loved reading about in Jason's book which, Jason, I have to admit, I haven't finished the book, and there's a reason for it. It is not one of those fluffy, big font, lots of picture social media books. It has lots of great info in it. And so it's taking me longer to get through it, <clears throat> excuse me, because I want to make sure that I absorb it. But, you know, and, and, and I say that because there are so many social media books that are out there, that do have a little bit bigger font, you know, which, granted, is better for us older eyes, but lots of pictures, things like that. And and Jason's book has tons and tons of great info. So I'm really enjoying delving into it, reading several sections, you know, more than once. And, and I think it really is a fabulous book, especially for business people who think that, A, social media is a waste of time, B, it's a fad, C, it's going to go away, and D, that they don't have to mess with it at all because, you know, they they don't see it as a serious platform. So let's just jump right in, Jason. Why should every business person, and I'm going to put every in quotes, italics, all caps, all those various things, why should every business professional take social media seriously? Well, I think the, the simple answer to that is you need to be able to communicate about your business in order to grow your business and where are you going to communicate about where your customers are. And the simple math of, uh, of the matter and the simple fact of the matter in today's media, um, you know, sort of uh, fractured media landscape is that more and more consumers are spending more and more time on social media than they are watching television, reading magazines, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I'm not one of those people who says that these other mediums are dying. Right. Um, they're not dying. They're just becoming a, a smaller part, I think, uh, of the consumer mix. But social media channels like Facebook, I mean, the, I think the I saw something recently that the average time spent on Facebook per person was something like three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's an incredible amount of time. Right. So if you are not communicating in those channels where people's eyeballs are, you're, you're missing out. Well, and I think that three hours is kind of what scares people. Um, you know, I, I always have people ask me, well, how long do you spend on social media? And I tell them, no, you can't judge by me because I turn it on and I leave it on. Um, how much right. time do I actually spend on it is obviously a far less um, number. But, you know, I think of, of, of especially a 
busy business person thinks three hours, you know, sometimes they think three minutes, and, and it's too much for them. So how do you convince people that they do need to be there, and what steps do they need to take to make their time valuable? Because we don't want them there for three hours. Um, you know, granted, they, they might actually find it valuable, but they do have their businesses to run. So how can they do it in bite-sized chunks to really optimize their use of the time? Well, that's, that's a very good question. I think every business person needs to assess, you know, who, who it is they're trying to reach first. You always start with your audience mm-hmm. um, and, and try to understand where are they. Are they uh, an audience that spends time on social media? The, the math and the statistics are going to tell you yes. Now you've got to figure out where do they spend time, what type of, of, of audience are you looking at. Uh, because if you're in the uh, more of the corporate world, maybe B2B, business-to-business, Oh, I think we might have just lost Jason. Jason, are you nope, there? I'm, Can I'm you here. Up there. Okay, I'm, there you're back. Okay. I'm here. Okay. I'm on a landline, I promise. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so if you're in the but, business, the B2B world, where should somebody be, I think, is where you were going. Sure. I, I think LinkedIn makes more sense from mm-hmm. a broad stroke perspective without knowing a lot about your business because that's a professional social network. It's set up for more of a corporate sort of professional user, and the intent of being on LinkedIn is for business development, uh, you know, job seeking, uh, you know, hunting for uh, recruiting and, and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. So it's a much more business savvy environment. If you are a consumer product uh, or an online retailer, then Twitter and Facebook might make more sense for you. I don't think mm-hmm. you have to be everywhere. I think you need to pick where it's going to be smart for you to be first. Right. Then you've got to figure out, okay, how do I ultimately reach the audience I'm trying to reach on those networks with effective messaging? Are you going to share content that attracts them to your page? Are you going to just post coupons and deals? You need to experiment a little bit to figure out what works because there are some businesses out there who, despite the advice of the social media guru set, will throw up a coupon on their Facebook page and drive direct revenue from that. And there are some businesses that have products and services that are insatiable enough to get away with that. There are other businesses that do that and and have nothing but crickets, right? Right. So they've got to figure out, okay, how do we engage this audience in a more profound way to get them to share our content to drive more eyeballs so that there are more possibilities of people who would convert in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that, that you really emphasize is content. And, you know, <clears throat> in the book, you talked about, and, and I have fallen into this trap myself, the kumbaya of being on social media. And that's the join the conversation you know, build relationships with people. And and that is important, you know, and we're not really making fun of it, but it's then taking it a step further. So, you know, what do you mean when you say, okay, it's not just kumbaya and, you know, building those relationships. What is that next step that so many people have gotten stuck on because we've been stuck in the kumbaya mode? Right. So the, the way that I like to explain it is the social media purists, the people who were preaching about social media in 2005, 2006, like to say, oh, it's about joining the conversation. It's about holding hands with your customers around the campfire and singing Kumbaya. But if you add the word marketing to the phrase social media, you're talking about business, and you had better right. be measuring like a business, and you'd better be driving business metrics. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is you need to say, okay, we do need to engage. There's nothing wrong with the kumbaya part. We need to engage. We need to listen. We need to join the conversation with our customers. But we need to do so in such a way that we establish business goals that ladder up to our marketing and our overall business goals, whether it's revenue growth, top line or bottom line, whether it's um, good customer service. Uh, there's got to be a business reason why you're using these channels establish those goals, and then use social media channels to achieve those metrics that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Maybe you say, you know what, we're going to use Twitter basically for customer service. So you don't. The, the, the thing where people get sideways is they say, okay, our goal is customer service. But then in the monthly uh, meetings they say, okay, well, how much money have we driven through uh, Twitter? Well, right. you're not using Twitter to drive revenue. You're using it for customer service. You have to measure to the goal. So mm-hmm. your metrics in a customer service scenario would be, customer service scores, uh, mm-hmm. Q scores, 
um, incidents handled, um, you know, angry customers turned to happy customers, online sentiment, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do is make sure you clearly understand why you're using the channel and measure to that. If you do that, you'll be able to, over time, chart a course and say, all right, our trends tell us that when we push these buttons, these things happen. Is that beneficial to our business? Yes, let's keep doing it. Or let's turn up the volume on it. If it's not beneficial to your business, stop doing it and use the channel for something different or elect to not use the channel at all. Right. Well, and so many businesses, and I don't care if it's, you know, one person shop or, you know, something that, that's, you know, the top ten of Forbes, they do get caught up in the numbers. And they forget that having good customer service is a way to drive your financial numbers up. Just like the opposite is true. If you have bad customer service, your numbers are going to go down. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, when, and, and the big companies get that, but it's funny that they don't always, <clears throat> excuse me, then tie it into social media. So, yeah, you know, and, and they've done that. Well, I have 2,000 people who like our Facebook page and 10,000 people who, and on Twitter, and, and that's, that's all they seem to measure. So how do they get away from just measuring those numbers and, and do those numbers even count anymore? Well, I would I would argue that they probably don't for the most part, and I've got a really good sort of story uh, from uh, my old old days in, in the agency business, working with a client. I had the CEO uh, of a company that I used to consult with several years ago. Every Friday, he would call me and ask me about noon. He would call and ask me how many followers or fans uh, his company had on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, anyone can go to the Facebook page and see the number themselves, but uh, mm -hmm. this person was a little d d detached from technology. <laughs> so he would call and ask, and, and for a while I humored him, and I, and I gave him the, the answer. And then I found out that the reason he called on Friday and asked is he had a standing Friday afternoon golf game uh, with ah. a couple of other executive types, and he mm -hmm. would like to go brag about how many you know fans that he his company mm -hmm. had on Facebook. So the next time he called, I said, you know what? I really don't have time to look up the number for you now. You can go to this URL and look it up if you'd like to. I'm actually too busy trying to figure out how to make those people buy from you. Mm -hmm. And that that made him take a step back and go, oh. There's more to this than just mm -hmm. collecting fans. Right. So the key is, as the business owner or as a marketer, saying, "Hey, you can you can hoard numbers all you want, but if the numbers you are hoarding aren't bottom line or top line revenue, then you are failing to make it a business argument. You are mm -hmm. failing to leverage social for business. So what you have to do is." It's got to be about revenue, or it's got to be about customer service scores, or it's got to be something that ladders up to one of those three things, mm -hmm. because those are the three things that companies really care about. Are right. we making money, are we saving money, or are our customers happy? If mm -hmm. you're not doing one of those three, three things, you probably don't need to be doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's where the business owners who've tried it and failed have gotten caught. You know, they, they thought, okay, I'm going to, to tweet or I'm going to post coupons on Facebook or do whatever, and it didn't work, so then they went, mm, it doesn't work, and they stopped. They never took the time to say, why didn't it work? Um, you know, and, and I always tell people, look at your competitors, especially if what they're doing is successful. Now, you know, you, you can't cut and paste and copy outright, but... If, you know, if, say, you are a business that posting that the coupon works for your competitors, then maybe it will work for you. But, you know, it, it really is something that you have to continually monitor, especially because social media changes, you know, and, and let's, you know, uh, we, we won't even get into the discussion of what Facebook shows and what Facebook doesn't show and, and all of those things. But, you know, it, it is something that I think business owners get caught up in the trap of it didn't work last year, last month, so it's never going to work. Um, right, and I, th I think the way to correct that behavior is to remind people that anything of value that you participate in takes work. Mm -hmm. There is no easy button in social right. media, and I think that's the... Uh, the sales line and the sales pitch that a lot of the social media purists, the kumbaya crowd, used to use, they would say, social media is free, and you can have a Twitter mm -hmm. account and a Facebook account, and you don't have to pay for it, and it's great marketing. Well, it might be free to have that account, but right. it takes time. It takes mm -hmm. energy. Sometimes it does take monetary investment to develop the type of content that attracts the type of eyeballs that converts into customers that you want. 
Anything of value that you do in your life, personally or professionally, takes effort. This is not an easy button. And I think you've got to get past that notion that, oh, well, I'm just going to go to Twitter or Facebook, and all of a sudden I'm going to have a bunch of new customers. No, you're Mm -hmm. not. You're going to have a bunch of new audience members. What you do with them takes effort, and you've got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and do the work. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, as part of that process, whoever it is who's rolling up their sleeves and doing the work needs to be an important part of that team, whether, you know, and and companies organize it differently. So maybe it's marketing, maybe it's PR, maybe it's sales, whatever. But, you know, it can't be the, hey, I've got this college student who, you know, needs a little extra money or my son can do it or, you know, somebody can do it in their spare time. It really is an important part of your business and, and you need to take it very seriously or you will fail at it. Very true. I think the the best companies out there uh, using social media uh, are prioritizing it in such a way. Well, think of it this way. Let's assume that your competitor is is leveraging social media well. What that means is they're putting a senior-level communication strategist on social media and integrating that with advertising, public relations, direct mail, email marketing, all the other different channels that good marketers would use and making sure that there is a payoff at that consumer touch point just as there are at all the other consumer touch points so that you've got a really nice integrated marketing plan that drives people to the outcome that you Mm -hmm. want to produce. If you are putting an intern up against a senior-level communication strategist, you will lose every time. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the ways that you can see the companies that are doing it right and how they're integrating it is by looking at the other things. So maybe it's a television ad, but they've got a hashtag in it or, you know, and and so then, you know, okay, these people really are making social media part of your marketing efforts. And that's what I tell people, you know, it's never standalone. You know, it's, it is just a social, it's, it's a tool for your marketing and it has to tie together. You know, if you're telling people on Facebook one thing and they go to your website or they talk with a salesperson and there's something totally different, well, you know, that's not going to work for very long either. That's very, very true. Consistency in messaging um, and, and anybody who's been in marketing for any amount of time knows that if you are speaking out of both sides of your mouth, you're not speaking out of any side of your mouth to your customers. Mm-hmm. They're not hearing anything. So you've got to have that consistency of message uh, from a public relations piece that gets you placement in a, a newspaper or a magazine or on television from product placement in uh, broadcast media uh, all the way to a CEO's speech to something you tweet uh, to your television campaign to your print ads. When it's all tied together and it all speaks with one voice, it amplifies that message even more and magnifies it to the point where your audience, um, through repetition and through the engaging interactions they have on the more interpersonal channels like social media, it leads more of them to convert. Mm -hmm. Think of the great social media campaigns out there that you've seen or heard. Um, Some people like to say Old Spice. Some people like to say uh, Oreo. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you look at those campaigns, you can also see those campaigns manifested in advertising, in public relations, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. When you speak with one voice across all the touch points, you have a much better chance of converting those customers. Mm-hmm. Well, and it really is about that integrated marketing campaign. Um, you know, it's and it's funny because some of those terms have gotten lost in the shuffle of you know of things, um, and and people tie into one thing, you know, or they get stuck on one thing. You know, we're only going to do direct mail, or we're only going to do email advertising, or we're only going to do Facebook sponsored posts. And they forget that it really is something that has to tie together more than anything because, you know, unless you have a very, very narrow target market, you need to reach people in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, Oreo cookies was a great example. You've got your grandparents who maybe are still watching the television commercials. You've got the grandkids who are looking on, you know, Instagram at pictures. You've, you know, and, and so when you have things that go all across various platforms, that's how you best reach your audience. Very true. I like to divide marketing up into two categories, uh, mm-hmm. direct response marketing and brand marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within each of those, there's two different audiences. There's new customers, new people who don't know who you are, and there's existing customers, people who do know who you are or have mm-hmm. purchased from you before. 
So across the, the gamut of media channels that you can use, whether it's direct, email, uh, advertising, you know, uh, community relations, public relations, social media, when you look at those, you can find channels that are really, really good with one of those four types of audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're good with all four to varying degrees. But if you look at it, like, for instance, search engine uh, marketing, so your, your pay-per-click advertising, et cetera, and mm-hmm. online media, that is a great way for to get direct response from customers who are new to you. Now, there are ways now through social channels and social advertising that you can also use direct response to those who are existing customers, so it serves that audience too. Mm -hmm. But good search engine marketing is great at getting new people to see you. Social media, organic social media, people who come to your Facebook page and like you, people who follow you on Twitter, if you think about that interaction, they are hand raisers. They already Mm -hmm. know who you are. They know your brand, and they trust you enough that they will allow you to have your content in their stream. That's what they're doing when Mm -hmm. they connect with you on a social channel. So instead of, I would argue, that instead of positioning your social channel as a way to get direct response out of new customers, I would either think of it as a way to get direct response out of existing customers, because this is an audience that knows you, or... Mm -hmm. I would go to the other side of the aisle, the brand marketing side, and say, this is a way that we're going to build an experience for our existing customers Ah. and potentially new ones Mm -hmm. uh, so that we can retain those customers, so that we can keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and of course, the cool thing to me about social media is the fact that you've got those people who are your fans, who are your brand ambassadors, and all they have to do is click share. And they've told their friends, hey, this is a great product, service, company, person, whatever, that you need to deal with. So that's added that whole other twist that we can't do with an advertisement or, you know, sometimes you can, you know, obviously you can forward an email piece, but, you know, it, it's a great way to get that third party endorsement. You just have to make sure you've worked it properly. Absolutely. And, and what I would argue is, and, and the Word of Mouth Marketing Association has said for a long time, they've had a statistic, that Word of Mouth Marketing uh, is roughly 60 times better than advertising, right. more mm-hmm. effective than advertising. Um, and I don't think there's very many people out there who would argue that point. I don't know where the statistics actually come from, but it's around 60% more effective. Um, and, and that is Word of Mouth. So that is me turning to another human being in real life, not on the Internet, uh, and, and saying something. So the ultimate payoff in marketing efficiency is to have someone turn to another human being and say, hey, you should check this out or, hey, you should buy this product. Social media isn't going to be 62 times more effective than advertising, but it's not going to be equally effective as advertising. It's going to be more so. If you turn to someone on your social channels and you dangle it out there permanently on the Internet to say, I bought this where I had an experience with this brand or this company and it was good, then that's going to be more effective than advertising. It's mm-hmm. going to be not as effective as the in, 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 you know, in real world, in real life experience, but it's going to be very effective uh, in, in getting another person to look at you and consider your brand. Mm-hmm. If that's the only argument for using social media, it's a darn good argument. Right, right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and take a break right now, and when we come back, we're, t- we're going to talk more about how you really need to make sure that you're including the word marketing when you're talking about your social media efforts. So I am Deb Creer talking with Jason Falls on Mile High Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. MileHighRadio.com, just what the doctor ordered. The Chelsea Hutchison Foundation is a Colorado nonprofit corporation formed by Julie and Doug Hutchison to help individuals, particularly children and young adults who have epilepsy. The main focus is to raise funds to provide grants for trained seizure response dogs that may be able to detect an oncoming seizure and provide warnings and or respond after the onset. The foundation also provides MFIT monitors for those in need. MFIT movement monitors are the latest technology for monitoring and 
individual who, during sleep, may experience seizures, which a caregiver or family member should be alerted to. The Chelsea Hutchison Foundation is named for Julie and Doug's beloved daughter, Chelsea, who died in her sleep during a seizure in April of 2009. The cause of her death is called SUDEP, or Sudden Unexplained Death in Epilepsy. During the six years that Chelsea had seizures, no one had ever told the Hutchisons that a seizure could take her life. As a result of that omission, the Chelsea Hutchison Foundation raises SUDEP awareness so other families are not blindsided in the same way that they were. For more information on the Chelsea Hutchison Foundation, please click on the banner ad right here on milehighradio.com. Hi, Chris here from Yambana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yambana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A. S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. YumbanaShop.com. Nothing says, I love you, more than MileHighRadio.com. And now, we're back for more fun and inspiration with social media expert Deb Creer and her fabulous guest. And we are back. Um, I am talking with Jason Falls, and we're talking about how to really make sure that you are integrating social media as part of your marketing efforts. But before we go on, Jason, tell everybody how they can connect with you and find you online. Sure. I'm uh, Jason Falls just about everywhere. So Twitter is at Jason Falls, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever. And then uh, I blog regularly at socialmediaexplorer.com um, and have been known to contribute to entrepreneur.com and a couple of other places. Great, great. Well, you know, I, and, and obviously you've written a couple of great books, and that's what we're really wanting to talk about is how, you know, you cut through that BS in social media and really use it as a tool to reach people. Um, and so one of the things that struck me when I was reading your book was how you can use social media as part of your your protection for your brand. How does that work? Um, you know, because we've seen companies who have failed spectacularly, uh, you know, and in the social media world, and then those who have also used social media when things have gone poorly in the real world, they've used social media to kind of bring the, the tide back in, into a positive way. How is social media protecting a company's brand? So there's two real ways that social media helps there. One of them is um, uh, a little bit more technical than the other. And so we'll start with the less technical one, and that's really just reputation management. So people are going to say things about you on the Internet. Um, they're gonna Maybe they're going to complain about the service they had at your restaurant. Maybe they're going to say that they bought something from you that was uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and so listening to what people are saying on social channels, even if you're not participating uh, proactively yourself, but just being able to know what people are saying about your company or your brand on Twitter, on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, is very smart so that you can interact with those people um, mm-hmm. and proactively or reactively uh, have conversations about that. One of the things that we like to do at Cafe Press is when someone posts a blog post or complains about uh, something that they received from us on Facebook or Twitter is respond immediately, as, as quickly as mm-hmm. we can, and say, very sorry you had a bad experience. Experience. We want to fix that. We have a you know 100% customer satisfaction guarantee. How can we help? And so, just the fact that we're responding to them, that we noticed that they said something, and we 
respond right. positively to try to help them immediately turns the tide of their attitude from negative mm-hmm. to positive. Because like, oh, wow, you're going to help me. Now, certainly mm-hmm. there are some people out there who are just being negative to be negative, and they're hard to deal mm-hmm. with, and you're not going to crack that nut, right? So we do the best we can, and then at some point we just kind of walk away and say, okay, well, we tried. Um, mm-hmm. So one part of it is just knowing what people are saying and being able to respond so that you are a part of the conversation. The mm-hmm. second part of it, the one that's more technical about protecting your brand and protecting your reputation, has to do with search engine results. And if you go back and look at, 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 at the statistics that third-party people have been uh, running over the last few months uh, or the last year or so, uh, and even statements from Google, Google has even said this, and we talk about Google when we talk about search engines because they still own 75-80% of the search marketplace. Yes, there's Bing and Yahoo, but Google is sort of the standard bearer there. Google has actually come out and said, yes, posts on social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, etc., etc., do impact and influence your search rankings. So links from those networks to your website help your website rank higher. Uh, Stories about your company that get links from those websites rank higher when people are searching for you. And ultimately, when you're trying to protect your reputation in search engines, you're trying to outrank the bad with the good, right? Mm -hmm. When, When someone types in Cafe Press, we want them to see the Cafe Press website, the Cafe Press Facebook page, the Cafe Press Twitter account, so on and so on. Uh, and so forth, and then also articles about Cafe Press. We don't want them to see the bad review on some guy's right. blog from three mm-hmm. years ago, right? So that's really what protecting your reputation is about online. It's both from a search technical perspective and from just simply interacting and reacting to what your customers are saying. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it is so true that. People, they just want to be acknowledged. You know, if I had a bad meal in a restaurant or, you know, received a bad product or something like that, you know, sometimes all it takes is somebody saying, oh, gosh, we're sorry. And I'm like, okay, I feel better now. And and I'll stop saying bad things about you. And more importantly, I might even try you again. But when we let the the kind of Internet sphere take over, if one person complains, then holy cow, other people complain, and and it just starts piling on. But the second there's a positive, then those little positive people come out of the woodwork too. So you know, it, it really is about managing that, and and that is one of the things that you know you address in your book, and I've always heard too is the business people say, well, we shouldn't be online because gasp, they could say something bad about us, and as you point out. If you have done something that people are saying something bad about, they're already saying it. So why not be part of that conversation and and see if you can fix it? And, yeah, there are the people that it doesn't matter if you bend over backwards and, you know, give them their money back five times over, they're still going to complain. Um, But the vast majority of people, if you take the time to acknowledge them, now you might have to take it offline, you know, and, and say, okay, call us and we'll make it better or, you know, whatever. But... They just want somebody to hear them. That's true. And uh, we used an example uh, in the book. And when I say we, Eric Deckers is my co-author for No BS Social Media. Um, but we used an example in the book that I think is really a good example for people to sort of understand this impact. Um, and we, we sort of uh, draw a comparison between two companies, one being Chi-Chi's, uh, the, the, the Mexican restaurant, Tex-Mex mm-hmm. restaurant, um, that in, I think it was 2003, which is a little bit before the whole social media boom, but it, it's relevant because it's a, a reputation a case study. They mm-hmm. had a hepatitis A outbreak in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, right. that, I mm-hmm. think killed four people, got a lot of other people sick. Um, and the, the public demanded answers. They wanted to know what the company was going to do, and the company, as big companies were want to do back in those days before social media exploded, they didn't really say anything. They didn't mm-hmm. address it. They, they issued these very noncommittal statements through their attorneys and whatnot. And guess how many Chi-Chi's restaurants there are in the United States today? Not a lot. Zero, um, huh? <laughs> exactly. Now, now, apples to oranges comparison, yes, I get this, but we also compare them to um, Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an apples to oranges uh, comparison. I understand because the Domino's Pizza was not hepatitis A and it didn't have people die in it. But there was a very, very popular Internet video that was passed around in 2009, I think it was, um, of two... Uh, I think South Carolina uh, Domino's Pizza employees basically mm-hmm. doing nasty things to a pizza that right. allegedly was then sent to a customer. Turns out it wasn't sent to a customer, or at least that's what they told us. But the YouTube video of them doing these nasty things to the pizza 
went viral because people were outraged, like, oh, my goodness, look what's happening at Domino's Pizza franchises, mm-hmm. at least it's one. And so it went millions of views, you know, in, in a very short amount of time. The difference was the, the, the public was outraged, as they were in the Chi-Chi's incident, and the public wanted, they demanded answers from the company. The difference is how the company responded. This was Domino's first foray, really, into social media, mm-hmm. and the CEO, Patrick Doyle, at the time, actually went to the, the YouTube video and commented with a video of his, his own ah. on the stream. Now, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to paraphrase. He, he didn't do it nearly as awesome as I'm going to do do it right now <laughs> but basically what he said when he turned when he looked in the camera he looked right in the camera and said i got this i'm going to go there and clean that store myself those two people mm-hmm. are fired that doesn't happen on my watch right and as a result within a week or two later we had forgotten about it because mm-hmm. we knew they that he had our back and that mm-hmm. they were going to address the situation it's that simple if you jump in and address the issue publicly and transparently mm-hmm. people trust you right well, and those things come up again. Um, one of the examples that I've seen, and I haven't seen it in several years, but it was one where it was also a YouTube video of um, an army colonel, you know, he was a, a military officer, and he was deployed overseas. He had a Hewlett-Packard printer, and it had broken, and he wanted it replaced. And somehow along the line, it went in to say that, you know, that the printer was off warranty and you know and they wouldn't ship it overseas and yada 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 and of course he was dismayed and all these people said oh good golly you know this is a a military person we're never going to deal with Hewlett Packard again of course Hewlett Packard had taken care of the matter and made sure that especially someone who is in the military gets special treatment which I think they should but the video popped up again and so they immediately responded and said okay this is a video from 2004 or whenever it was and here are the steps that we have taken since then and they did almost the same thing they posted other videos of military people saying hey this is what happened and this is how well we were treated so it's just an example of you have to always be diligent to make sure that your your reputation is protected because you know when that video came out again i saw it on facebook and there were all these people oh never gonna buy from hewlett packard we don't take the time to research we just see it and, and we we do the 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 gut check reaction and we say oh we're not going to do that um you know and and so it it does take the company saying wait a minute we've got this we have taken care of it absolutely now one of the other things you talk about in your book is how social media can help with research and development how is that possible you know how can you start posting things that will help you develop new products or services well, what, what's really awesome about social channels is while they do not offer the formal structure of a focus group or a survey, they mm-hmm. offer direct response feedback from your audiences. And so when, when you look at social media case studies like uh, the Fisketeers Network, which unfortunately the Fiskers company, the Scissors company, Mm-hmm. Uh, shut down last year, but for a while they had this really great sort of private social network for scrapbookers, and what they ah. would do is they would send this community of scrapbookers um, new new uh, products that they had developed, uh, whether they be scissors or improvements in scissors or whatever, uh, but they would send members of the community this product and encourage them to videotape themselves using the product and post that in the community for other people to see so mm. that they got direct consumer feedback on these mm-hmm. improvements, and that would help them sort of tailor and tweak. Um, but there's also some really clever ways to use social uh, channels uh, for research and development. And one of my favorite examples, since we talked about Domino's earlier, i got to throw in Papa John's because they're from Louisville. I've never worked with them, but they're my peeps, so we'll talk about them a little bit. <laughs> um, so Papa John's at one point had a video contest on Facebook, and at first it looked like on the surface just a gimmicky way to get more Facebook fans, and it was, hey, we want you to post a video of you making your favorite pizza, your favorite recipe of homemade Mm -hmm. pizza. Mm -hmm. Well, that was not a marketing gimmick. That was a research and development gimmick. They were trying Ah. to get direct consumer feedback on, hey, Mm -hmm. what do I like in my pizza? Why do I cook it this way? Where do I get the recipe, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and they had some sort of contest, and you won, you know, some money, and you got you, the winning recipe was put in stores, so they were actually able to derive revenue from this particular social media uh, campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. But what they got was they got hundreds and hundreds of hours 
of consumers looking into a camera and saying, this is the way I cook my pizza. This is how I like my pizza. They would have mm-hmm. had to have paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for that if they went to a research company and said, go interview people about pizza. Mm-hmm. Instead, they spent maybe, I don't know, twenty or $30,000 to run a really nice Facebook contest and mm-hmm. got all of that uh, information without having to spend a lot of money. That was a cost savings for research and development as mm-hmm. much as it was a cost expenditure for marketing. Right. Well, and there's certainly easy ways to do it that are, are less expensive for, you know, say the small business owner, and it's called ask the question. <laughs> you, know, you know, what I'm, I'm developing this new service. What features would you like to see? And maybe you give four or five in there and, and you do it as a poll or, you know, all of those things. And, and, and to me, another big thing is simply listening to the conversations. Um, you know, if somebody is saying, I don't understand how to do or, you know, it would be great if, you know, such and such. And, and I think that's a great way for companies to really see what is needed. Now, can they do all of it? Probably not. But, you know, if it, if it gets traction, then it might be something that they definitely want to check out. No doubt. I mean, the, if you've ever launched a website for anything, whether – well, I'm not even talking about your business. I'm just talking about a website. If you've ever launched a website – uh, and then you look on Twitter or you get emails from people who are using the website. Uh, after the first you know, day of launch, for the first week, you're going to get feedback like, I can't find this form or I can't find mm-hmm. this. But that's the same thing you're looking for on social channels. Right. I want to use your product this way, but I can't figure out how. That's mm-hmm. information you should take and send directly to R&D. Fix this issue because mm-hmm. people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and they might even be talking about your competitor, and it's something that you can add or change or, you know, do something with your own products. That, that's absolutely true, and, and that actually leads to a, a, a right into kind of dovetails into a really good way to use social media for sales mm-hmm. is if you are monitoring the conversations about not just your company but your competitors or even from a meta perspective, just your industry, searching for certain terms that people might use when they're talking about your industry, mm-hmm. you can see people asking questions that are they're, they're, in, they're in the buying mode. Hey, I'm right. shopping for a new lawnmower. What do you guys mm-hmm. think, right? And if you sell lawnmowers, you can jump into that conversation mm-hmm. in most cases and say, hey, you know, I saw you post this question. I'm here to help uh, answer any mm-hmm. questions if you'd like to ask questions. I sell lawnmowers, but I'm glad to give you some information. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're going to find you become a resource for people who are asking questions about lawnmowers, and that's going to lead you to sell more lawnmowers. Right, right. You know, and, and you do have to be careful with that because, you know, say it's, you know, your competitor's blog, you don't want to post there. I mean, that's just not good form. But if it's, say, a general conversation or, or you know, post somewhere, then it is okay to, to jump in and say, you know, hey, we've, we've got some solutions that you might like. You know, I've done things like ask, you know, in, in um, some, some forums looking for a great new restaurant in the Atlanta area because we're still fairly new to Atlanta. And I love it when other restaurants say, hey, we've got this or, or you know, here's this special or, or all of those things because they're, they're restaurants I never even knew about existed. Um, we traveled to Louisville last year to to a Colorado women's basketball game. They played Louisville. Um, and right. so I oh, the, the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but we still had a great time partially because I had posted, hey, what are some other things that we should do in Louisville? And people gave us suggestions. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, and some of those were just from people who said, this is a great place to go to. But some of them were also, hey, we are X business and you might want to stop by here. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go to Boston and the same thing is happening. We're getting input from a variety of sources. So that to me is, is just great. And, and it, it only happens because those people were monitoring what was being talked about online. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think individual consumers, I mean, I have, you know, a number of, of examples of times when I've tweeted about, uh, you know, I'm headed to lunch. Where should I eat today? And someone's responded mm-hmm. with, well, they will give you free appetizer if you come here. Or, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I get stuff out of it, not just suggestions. But, yeah, you're right. And, in fact, in Louisville, you probably, uh, when you came here for the Colorado UofL women's game, you probably heard from the folks at the Convention and Visitors Bureau yep. because mm-hmm. uh, the, the the Twitter account in Louisville, that's they monitor the web for people mm-hmm. mentioning visiting Louisville, and they make suggestions. That's what they mm-hmm. do, and that right. helps obviously supplement, you know, the, the businesses that are associated with them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it's it's something that 
they they did right away, which I greatly appreciated. You know, it certainly wouldn't have been a benefit if we got the information after we'd been there, um, which I've had that happen before. Hey, you know, come and see us. Like, okay, our trip was three weeks ago, but um, you know, it, it is it, it is something that is easy for business to set up. So you know. Talk about how you can do that monitoring so that you're not just sitting with your little eyeballs glued to the screen until your eyeballs pop out. How do you monitor those conversations? Sure. There, there's, there's some really free, uh, easy ways to do that. Kind of the most simple uh, is Google Alerts. Uh, if you go mm-hmm. to alerts.google.com, you can type in whatever search query you want to type in. Let's say it's the name of your business. Or maybe it's a keyword phrase like, I'm shopping for a lawnmower or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so you can type that in and not only see the results there in real time, but you can then subscribe to an email update of that alert so that when the next time someone posts something that matches that search result online, you'll get an email notification that says, hey, someone just said this. Um, you can also do the same thing if you go to Twitter and go to search.twitter.com. Uh, you can search for people mentioning things on Twitter, and uh, you can subscribe to a feed, an RSS feed of that as well, and have that delivered to your uh, email inbox. But you can get into much more sophisticated uh, softwares that, that do social media monitoring. There's an entire industry uh, called social media monitoring out there where you can uh, you know, pay anywhere from $10 a month up to the hundreds and even thousands of dollars a month for very sophisticated listening that will parse it out you know, by geography, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and, and I don't recommend that for most businesses, certainly, but it, the bigger your business is and the more revenue you think you can derive or the more customers you can help through social media, investing in some social listening software is probably going to be a smart move for you down the road mm-hmm. because it's going to help your social team or whoever's handling your social media be able to go in with a laser uh, instead of a shotgun and, and, mm-hmm. and, and surgically go in and, and uh, answer and respond to people in a very effective way. Right. Uh, so at some point that might become an investment for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing that's that's easy and free is monitoring hashtags in Twitter. You know, if you know that there is a hashtag or, you know, in, in Instagram or, or, you know, any of the other places that use hashtags a lot. I mean, you know, I, I'm one of the I'm a purist. I don't like them in Facebook. But, um, you know, especially in Twitter and Instagram, if you're monitoring those hashtags, that's a great way to reach out to people and, and get them information in advance. Absolutely, and you'll you'll find that hashtag conversations. If you go to Twitter and just you know search for a given hashtag, let's say you search for the hashtag, I don't know, lawn care, since I've had that on the brain for some reason, <laughs> um, and 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 you're going to find people having conversations about lawn care. Uh, and if you are a lawn care professional or provider, uh, then you can sort of monitor what people are saying about it, and you can a be a resource to that community on Twitter mm-hmm. by answering questions that you know the answer to participating in that conversation building your audience building trust etc cetera, etc cetera. or um, you can actually use that as a way to jump in and say hey we offer that service you know here's my contact information let me hook you up and now right. all of a sudden you're driving this Mm-hmm. Well, and it's very important. You just mentioned the words to say, hey, we offer. You have to be very truthful. You know, this is not the place to use that hashtag and say, I heard that the store down on the corner is a great place to buy lawnmowers. Eh. <laughs> be yourself. Yeah, Tell yeah. them you are that salesperson. Um, you know, we've all seen examples of the CEO who, you know, has a different, you know, a different Twitter name and they try and jump in the conversation or the communications person or, you know, something like that. And they, they try to be a part of that conversation with ulterior motives. And this is a, a society or, you know, a, a, a group of people that figures that out really quickly, you know. And so you don't oh, yeah. want to be deceptive. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had a really good. This is a great case study, and and one of these days I'll I'll write about this and brag about this guy a little bit more. Uh, and if I can if I can find his name, I'll actually tell you his name. I, I forget it. But a couple of days ago, a public relations uh, a guy asked me a question on Twitter, um, and it was just a, a seemingly innocent question. It said, "Hey, you're a you're an author, and a, I think he called me a social media guru. I'm uncomfortable calling myself that, but he said, you know, you're a social media guru. What do you think about this?" And he was asking me if I thought uh, social media was taking people away from face-to-face interactions. Mm-hmm. And so we had this back and forth, you know, six or seven tweets back and forth to one another. 
having this conversation about it. And I ultimately said, you know, face-to-face is much more effective than social media. And if you're on social media, technically you've got your face in the device, so you can't be face-to-face. And he said, well, I'm, I'm glad you think that way because I want to show you something. Uh-oh. And then he dropped a link, and I'm like, okay. And now he's got me intrigued, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm genuinely curious. And it turns out his name's Jacob Markowitz. And Jacob is a PR guy who is working uh, with a startup that allows you to send video messages. It's called ah. movie.co, mm-hmm. uh, M-O-V-Y.co. So mm-hmm. he's working with a startup that allows you to send video messages so that you can turn your, your social media interactions into more face-to-face interactions. Right. Mm-hmm. Very, very clever, uh, mm-hmm. fun way to get involved into the conversation. He was pitching me, but not at first. There was mm-hmm. value to that conversation there before he ever pitched me. Right. That's a really smart way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's going to be some people out there that might be a little uncomfortable with his approach, but I wasn't offended at all. I was like, you mm-hmm. know what, that's a really clever way to get my attention. Good right. job. Right. Well, and if at some point you had said, you know, face-to-face isn't important, he he might have either taken a different tactic or he might have dropped it. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, he, he that's obviously a very good salesperson. He knows what he's doing. Yep, absolutely. Well, and, you know, he, he listened to you before he said, hey, here's this product I'd like to. And then he was very transparent. You know, he let you know he's representing them. So it wasn't, again, you know, him saying, I've heard this great thing. You might want to check it out. It's, you know, he, he let you know that he was, was there and, and it was part of, of what he was working on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, the same kind of example. If you go to a networking event after work or, you know, something for your chamber of commerce, and you're standing there and someone's talking about a product or service um, as if, hey, I just bought this and it's great, you should try it out, and then later you come to find that they're the CEO of the company or they own the business, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, man, that guy was just icky, right? Right. Um, it, it's the same thing in social media. You're going to sniff out the people mm-hmm. who are the used car salesmen. No offense mm-hmm. to used car salesmen, but you understand the analogy. Right. You're going to sniff them out pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. What you don't want to do is behave like them. You know, mm-hmm. This is not an environment where think of social media as, just like I said, a, a networking event where you're in a room with a bunch of other people and there's all these little pockets of conversations. Uh, you don't go into a room like that with your megaphone screaming, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, because mm-hmm. someone will remove you from the room. That right. is just that's an intrusion. Mm-hmm. What you do in those networking situations is you walk around from conversation to conversation. You listen to what people are talking about until you find one that you feel comfortable interjecting yourself into, and then you kind of stand there and wait until someone recognizes you, you introduce yourself, and that's your first opportunity to connect mm-hmm. with that audience, not necessarily to market to them, just to connect with them. And mm-hmm. then you continue to have conversations, listening, talking about what they're talking about, and then somewhere in that conversation, someone's going to say, hey, Jason, what did you do? There's your first mm-hmm. opportunity to say, well, right. I sell X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you treat social media like an, an offline networking event. You're going to have a lot more success mm-hmm. and feel a lot more comfortable there than you would if you just went there trying to sell things. Right. Well, and that's, you know, that's why I always tell people, have your face as your, your avatar. Now, obviously, it's different if it's, say, a Starbucks or a Walmart or, or whatever, but that does kind of give them that little bit of face-to-face type of, of communication. They're a little more comfortable with knowing that they're dealing with a person as opposed to a cartoon or a picture of your product or your service or, or things like that. It, it it does help personalize things. It does. It does. I actually, uh, real quick, I was walking down a, uh, the hallway of a conference one time with a friend of mine, and this was back before anybody really knew who I was. And as I walked down the hallway of that conference, three or four people were like, hey, Jason Falls, hey, Jason Falls, hey, Jason Falls. And my friend turned to me and said, what is going on? How do these people know you? <laughs> I said, because my face is my avatar, dude. Mm-hmm. And that day he changed his avatar. His avatar was like yeah. a graphic of his initials. He changed right. his avatar that day. And from that point on, people started to recognize him. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're putting a face and a name with this brand that mm-hmm. you are online. Right. You know, and and I'll admit, every once in a while, it freaks me out a little bit when I'm somewhere and somebody recognizes me from my picture. But 
then right behind that, I think, ooh, it worked. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it is something to, to really keep in mind is you're not your product or your service. Um, you know, and, and I love, you know, when you've got the CEO of a big company who does have his picture there as opposed to, you know, what's, you know, the, the company product or service. And, and, you know, yeah, especially on Twitter, you still have that company name or, or, you know, you've got that avatar, your logo. Maybe you use that on your Facebook page. But then you can still personalize the posts. You know, as you post it, you can sign your name or do whatever so that again they realize it's a person that they're dealing with as opposed to company X or company Y. Absolutely. When I'm responding to people on Twitter uh, or Facebook from Cafe Press, I typically will say, hey, it's Jason. Mm-hmm. Or I'll put my initials after the post or something, uh, so that they know, you know, hey, a member of the executive team is here mm-hmm. answering questions. It's not right. a customer service rep. Not, not that they can't help, but mm-hmm. I usually say, hey, it's Jason, VP at Cafe Press or whatever, mm-hmm. because again, that puts personal responsibility mm-hmm. on the conversation to me, but it also shows that person that I'm invested and we are invested mm-hmm. in helping them, making sure they get good service. Right. You know, and, and again, we're not talking about something that takes hours and hours every day. You can budget your time to do this and, and make sure that it's not, you know, the fancy squirrel with, with silver jewelry that you're chasing after because it caught your attention. You can focus your efforts um, because you do focus your efforts on other things. You know, you have your, your uh, staff meeting that takes an hour or, you know, whatever it is. So just budget your time for social media also. Exactly. Great way to do it. Now, one last thing, and, and we probably don't have time to, to fully discuss this, which just means we have to have you back on again, is the fact that companies should have a social media policy. Why is that important, and you know, how do they go about developing a social media policy? Well, policies are important. The, the attorneys uh, listening will appreciate this. Policies are important because they, they help you minimize risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not just policies for employees on whether or not they can post on behalf of the company, which, you know, you should talk about that. Do we want employees involved? They right. have audiences. They can, ma- they can magnify and, and, and amplify your message. Uh, but, you know, do you have employees that you would trust doing that? Some businesses don't, and that's okay. Um, but so there's there's the outward employee facing policies, but there's also the policies for how you are going to post, when you're going to post, how you're going to run your social channels, and what are what are the policies for your audience? What's your, mm-hmm. what's your comment policy, right? Yeah. You, you need to probably even on Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter, you could put a little link and say, "Hey, here's our comment policy." It comes mm-hmm. over to a page on your website where you can write as much as you want. You're not right. limited to the characters, mm-hmm. and, and say things like. Hey, if you swear or if you're mean or mm-hmm. if you're whatever, we're going to take it down. That's just mm-hmm. not cool. Don't do that right. here. Mm-hmm. So you can help control and, and establish the expectations early for how you're going to interact with your audience online. And that takes away a lot of the stress that people have that keeps them resistant to social media. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you're right. I think that is the one of the big things is, especially if you've got more than one employee, you are thinking what happens if. Um, you know, and, and so if you've got those policies in place, you know, maybe you have an employee who tweets about this horrible, uh, customer interaction they had, you know, and, and says you by, says the company by name or whatever so that it's easily identifiable, then you can deal with that. Um, if you don't have that policy, things get a little bit tricky. You know, it's hard to tell somebody that they can't do something after they've already done it if you didn't tell them in advance, you know, this is, is our expectations of you. Absolutely. Well, Jason, I do have a question before we end because we we do have a couple more minutes. What okay. company is the best one? You know, who do you really like as as a shining example as, as who uses social media well? Wow, you know, there's a lot of really good examples, and, and I'm sure anybody who studied the social media space at all. Um, you know, can probably name a few of them. Um, I love what Scott Monty has done at Ford. Uh, mm-hmm. He's obviously now no longer at Ford, but uh, uh, he's done a great job with Ford. Right. They're very responsive. They use it proactively. They run contests. They engage influencers. They just do a fantastic job. Your mm-hmm. larger brands, obviously, that have larger budgets are going to do interesting things with it. But you can also look at smaller brands and how they're using uh, social media from a very clever perspective. There's a restaurant called Miss Shirley's in Baltimore that has a great Sunday brunch, and they mm-hmm. basically said, hey, we want you to check in on Foursquare here 
so that we know who our loyal customers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on Foursquare, if you check in more often than, than other people over a certain period of time, you're named the mayor of the location. Mm-hmm. And so Miss Shirley said, hey, if you are the mayor of our location on Sundays, you don't have to wait for a table. We'll put you at the Ooh. front of the line Sunday mm-hmm. brunch. And, and there's like a sometimes a two-hour wait for that Sunday brunch, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was a reward, right? So it, that's a small business. It's a restaurant with two locations using social media in a very fascinating way mm-hmm. and in a very simple way. It's just about right. let's drive more revenue, let's drive more interaction, and let's be relevant to our audiences. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. And as I mentioned, we definitely have to have you on again because I only got to like page 20 of your book. <laughs> so so we do need to, to go further into this and, and talk more about it because it is about getting past that kumbaya of just joining the conversation and, and you know really making sure that what you're giving people is great content. So one last time, Jason, tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Sure. Jason Falls. That's F-A-L-L-S, just like Niagara. I'm Jason Falls everywhere. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to everybody for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back with you next week. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.